0: Bibles, you can turn to the past. How's everybody doing? First month of the year over. New year resolutions going good? Yeah, me too, right? <laughs> Press on, guys. Please feel free to sit in front. Okay, so we are doing a series called Encounters with Jesus. Okay, um, and and yeah, if you're if you're here for the first time, um, we are we're looking at different passages in the book of Mark in in the Bible, and 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 I want to encourage you to read through the book of Mark or read through a gospel, one of the four gospels. Um, and, and, and I think you'll, you'll learn a lot okay? And you know, I was saying the last time That I think the big question The big question is really found In the, mi- in the middle of Mark When Jesus turns to Peter And he says, who do people say I am? And, and then you know, he says, oh and Some people say you're a prophet and whatever And then he says, well what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And, and that's really the question that I hope um, All of you ask yourself today Who is Jesus to you? Okay, so if you could take out your Bibles, um, if you would like a Bible, just wave your hand. Our friendly Joseph will be happy to get it. goo at the back. Okay, if your friend would like a Bible, raise, just wave your hands in the air. Okay, let's turn to Mark chapter 9, um, and we'll start reading from verse 17. Okay? okay, Mark 9, 17. Someone from the crowd answered him, answered Jesus. Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. but prayer. They went on from there and passed through Galilee and he did not want anyone to know for he was teaching his disciples saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Today I want to share some thoughts with you about this story. And as I share, I pray that you will come to see and know for yourself who Jesus really is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It speaks to us. We thank you that your word is living and active. God, we pray that today would you speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to every person here in this room and give us an encounter with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, um, how many of you like to watch horror shows? Wow, I see some big, this huge smile from the back. But well, seriously, yeah, no, I am not into I I do not do horror shows like, too scary man like all the ghosts and demons and whatever you know. I just watch Secretary Kim. <laughs> oh seriously, you know when I started watching it, I thought like oh this is such a stupid show. I'm not going to tell anybody I watch it. Then I realized like so many other people watch it. Okay, anyway, um, yeah. So I don't know if you if you if you like to watch horror shows. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen one where, where someone is possessed. You know, there's like an evil spirit going down. I, I don't know why, like, it's always like a kid. You know, very often it's, it's a kid, right? And somehow that's like so much scarier. Apparently there's this show called The Exorcist. Have you heard it? It's like a classic horror show or something. Um, yeah, I don't do horror shows, man. It's too scary. Uh, it's like the images just stay in your head, right? Um, but you know, this story that we read here today... It's basically an exorcism, right? The boy is possessed and he is tortured by an evil spirit. Okay, so I wanted to look for a picture, um, but when I was searching, it was just too scary, man. Like uh, those, like like those realistic ones were too scary, and then the cartoon ones were just like too ridiculous. So, so you just have to imagine it in your head, okay? Um, and and I know some horror movies are like very lame, right? Uh, but but you know this this is not a movie. Right, this is something that, that actually happened. It was a real situation with real people. And there was a boy who was being tortured by an evil spirit. And his father, you can imagine, has to, has to deal with that. And, and so we, we read, if you look at verse 18, we read that, that what happened to this boy is that he is robbed of speech. Okay, so he probably can't talk properly. Um, you know, maybe he's like just slurring all the time. And it says, whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him to the ground because the demon is violent. Okay, and so the, if you imagine the boy, the boy is just like falling around as if someone is pushing him, but you know we can't see the someone, and, and so it's just it's really freaky. Um, and he foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. Right later on, if you look at verse twenty, we also read that when the spirit saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a convulsion. So he was like convulsing like in spasms and. Falling to the floor, rolling rolling around, foaming at the mouth. So, it's pretty scary stuff, right? It's it's pretty intense. Um, But you know, the, the part that is really sad for me is that the father says the boy has been like this from childhood, and and we don't know how old this boy is, but it does sound like it's been quite a while, like a few years maybe. And and so you know, this is not like just a scene from a horror movie where this is strange like things going on you're like ah and then it's over this is something that the father and the boy and the family they have to live with all the time right this is the boy's life this is the father's life and imagine having to deal with this right falling the foaming and, and, and all that stuff like all the time day after day for years having this con- condition or this this thing plague you and torture you torture your family and it's like they were trapped in this desperate, horrible situation. Just imagine what it, what it felt like to be in this state for many years. As a parent, this would be a nightmare, right? I mean, you just want your child to, to be normal and grow up well, and, and all the time you see him being tortured. Now, I'm guessing that, that not many of us here have seen people who are demon-possessed, and, and even fewer or none, I hope, have actually experienced demon possession um, So maybe you think this is, this is like a rare, like weird occurrence that's not really relevant to me, you know, like demons and evil spirits, like it's just things in, in the movies But you know, I want to tell you firstly that um, the supernatural realm exists okay? That there are such things as demons evil spirits, powers that we, we cannot see, but powers that we in And if you remember, we talked about this last year Remember in our Ephesians series that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but there is a struggle. A struggle is real. Now, we don't need to fear them because God is far above all powers, right? Ephesians chapter 1. But we have to be aware that the spiritual realm, the supernatural realm, does exist. And so we don't need to over exaggerate the, the, the existence of demons and live in fear, but we also don't deny the existence of, of demons. And live in delusion or ignorance Right, so number one The, the supernatural realm exists Now secondly, I believe that Whatever you want to call it okay, Demons, spirits, um, powers of darkness Forces of evil Whatever you want to call it I believe that some Some of us Maybe even quite a few of us Also struggle with some form Of evil or some form of darkness That tortures us And torments us and, and I believe that, that some of us actually struggle with a similar situation to this point in the story. Now, I am not saying that you are possessed, okay? But maybe, maybe for some of us here, there is a kind of, of darkness that we struggle with and we can't really break free from. You know, maybe we find ourselves sometimes in, in a dark place or, or a dark state that we cannot get out of and either constantly... Or from time to time, it seizes us And it torments us And it could be that we are just suddenly crippled by anxiety Or, or gripped by a paralyzing fear or, or panic Or perhaps we wrestle with an addiction With a kind of secret shame Or, or, or maybe some kind of depression Or like overwhelming despair that suddenly grips us And you know, the verse says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. And I don't know if many of you can identify with feeling this way. Whenever this fear or anxiety or or despair or whatever seizes you, that emotionally it feels like we are being thrown to the ground. And then maybe we feel like, like, you know, banging our heads against the wall. It's the same thing, right? We feel like we are being thrown down. And maybe emotionally... You know, or metaphorically, it feels like we are foaming at the mouth and gnashing our teeth and, and all that. We feel like we are pulling out our hair. We feel like hurting ourselves. We feel like we are trapped in this despair. Now, some people, you know, some people say that, um, you know, maybe this boy, uh, he, was, he was just probably just having an epileptic seizure or a fit, you know, uh, because people in those days, you know, they, they, don't know, they don't know what it's called, right? So I checked with our in-house doctor, the world-renowned Dr. Jeslyn O oh. uh, and she said, yeah, yeah yeah those symptoms sound like uh, like it's a seizure it's probably epilepsy right um, but you know this incident is also recorded in the book of Matthew and there the father specifically says the boy has seizures right he used that term um, which is a medical term and, and so it's not that the boy, the father didn't know that it was a seizure but the father also says yeah there's a seizure but there's also a demon in him. And I think the father recognized that it was more than just a physical thing. And I think the thing that convinces me that this is demonic, and Dr. Jeslin has affirmed it by also saying that this is the part that is strange, is that in verse 22, it says, this thing has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Okay, so you have a seizure, you're just rolling down. right, But this thing brings this boy to fire or water and seeks destroy his life. And that is why the father says, yeah, he has seizures, but it's not merely a physical illness. There's something in there that wants to kill him. And I don't know if many of you have experienced this or felt this way, but there is something inside that wants to hurt yourself or even kill yourself. And the Bible says that the evil one, the devil, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy and just like the demon robbed the boy of speech, the, the devil comes to rob your joy, he comes to steal your security, he comes to rob you of peace, he wants to destroy your identity, your self-image, your self-worth, he wants to destroy your life, and he wants to kill you. He's the devil, that's what he does. The devil is not like a cute little red guy with horns and a little fork. He is a formidable enemy who comes to steal, kill And destroy lives and next week in a series we're going to look at the story of another demon-possessed man and he cut himself with stones and here we see the demon constantly trying to kill this boy by throwing him into fire and water and I want to tell you this today and I feel very strongly about this that if you have ever struggled with suicidal thoughts or self-harm or self-hatred I am NOT saying that you are possessed but I want you to know that those thoughts are never from God. Never. They are from the evil one. And if you ever hear voices in your head telling you things like, oh, you're disgusting, you should just die, your life is, is worth nothing, nobody loves you because you are unworthy of love, etc., those are thoughts from the evil one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You have to realize this, my friends. He comes to kill steal and destroy but god remember efficient sermon but god but jesus jesus comes to bring life it is the total opposite you see the value of your life your life is so great to him and your life is so precious to him that he gave himself up to be hung on a cross and died there so that you would have true life eternal life abundant life life to the full and if Jesus would die in order to save your life anything that seeks to destroy your life is not from him and is against him and so I want to suggest that this situation that the boy is in is actually not that different from the situation that some of us may find ourselves in because evil spirits existed in Jesus' time but they still exist now perhaps in, in our situations today you know, the, the ways that they are, are manifested are, are less obvious to us because you know, we think we are, we are enlightened now, we can explain everything with, in scientific or medical terms, and yet, yet, we are so enlightened, and yet, many of us, many people, it's on the rise, many people are tormented by things like depression, insecurity, addiction, fear, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, etc. I used to teach, I used to be a teacher... And, in, and I used to teach in girls' school, panic attacks all the time. It's not normal. It's not from God. You're not meant to live your life gripped with fear. You know, maybe maybe we think, oh, we're not like physically rolling around, foaming at the mouth, but deep down inside some of us feel a bit like that. We are gripped and tortured by some kind of darkness, some kind of despair, some kind of desperation. And you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize things and say like, oh, everything is a demon or everything is from the devil. i like, oh, I can't wake up to go to school. It's a demon. I, no, just like sleep earlier set more alarms, you know. But the fact the fact is that we do live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And I think it's pretty clear to everyone that there is evil in the world. Evil exists. It exists and it appears in many forms and many ways because the devil comes to kill steal and destroy. And because we live in a fallen world, you know, there is there is sickness, there is disease, and there are also demonic and evil forces at work. And so sometimes we find ourselves in desperate, depressing, and really dark situations. And this is the situation we find at the start of the story. And you know, in some ways, I I, I, I was reading the passage and and I was thinking that, you know what, we it starts off this way, and I feel like it's almost a representation of the, the picture of mess in the world. You know, there, there that's a state that we are in, that there are people in need, right? The father and son, in the story, they are wrestling, they are struggling with something that they don't know how to deal with, something that's torturing them. They need help, they need deliverance, they need to be saved. And unfortunately, the father tries certain means. He approaches Jesus' disciples for help, and they tried, but they could not help him. Right? And sadly, that's what happens in our world too, as well. Sometimes the world looks to us, the church, Christians, for help, and maybe we try, but you know, for a whole variety of reasons, sometimes we are just not able to help. In fact, sometimes as a church, we really disappoint the world. Can I just be real? Sometimes we make things worse, right? I don't know if you've probably heard of like priests involved in like sexual scandals, sexual abuse scandals, you've heard of pastors convicted of financial crimes, etc. Or simply, day to day, we see Christians who simply fail to show basic love, compassion, and care for the world around them. And this is the picture of of mess that we see. There is need in the world. There is darkness. People are struggling with desperate situations and despair. They come, and yet, the Christians, we cannot help them. Unfortunately, it's the same today. And unfortunately, very often, people judge our God based on us, the Christians, And our inadequacies and i just want to say that if you're here today and you're not a christian can i just say that christians will never be perfect as our god is perfect we try right we try to be light of the world and as jesus was the true light of the world but at the end of the day you cannot put your faith in christians you cannot put your faith in in the church you have to put your faith first and foremost in jesus only god is perfect and only god can truly save you And it's the same for us Christians. You know, that's what I talked about at the beginning of the year, right? Your faith cannot be anchored by fellow Christians and by your church friends alone. At some point, your fellow Christians, fellow disciples will fail you, right? Your church may fail you, but the vine is Jesus first and foremost. And if you remain in Him, He is the only one who will help you to bear fruit, who will help you to finish the race. He's the only one who will never fail you. He's the only one who saves. Put your faith in him. So, so what do we do with with, with all this darkness, you know, with, with demons, with desperation in our lives? Well, like the father in the story, we go to Jesus, right? And the father goes to Jesus and he says, If you can, please help us, right? And he's not sure. He says, If you can, um, please, please help us, right? Because the disciples have failed, so he doesn't know. And Jesus' response is actually to repeat the question, if you can? <laughs> like, what you're saying? You mad, bro? Like, you want mate? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think Jesus was rude, right? He probably said it in a much more gentle way, right? I don't think he was like throwing shade at the, a at the man or whatever. I, I think his point was, if you can, is not the question at all. It's not the question at all. You see, the question. It's never about Jesus' ability, but about our faith. The question is not, can Jesus do it, but can you believe it? If you were here two weeks ago, we talked about the story of Jesus calming the storm, right? And the question was not, does Jesus care? Can Jesus save us? The question was, do you trust? Do you have enough faith? In fact, when, when, if you read the story when Jesus first heard that his disciples couldn't drive out the demon, he said, oh, unbelieving generation, right? Just like when, when you know, they were freaking out about a storm, he said, do you still have no faith, right? In fact, that there are other times we read the Gospels where he rebukes his disciples saying, oh, you of little faith. Because the problem is never Jesus' ability, but man's faith. And Jesus says this to the man, Everything is possible for him who believes Now, this is an interesting statement, right um, Everything is possible, okay So does it mean that if I really believe That I will become a fairy That I will really become a fairy No, does it, does it mean that if I, I, I really believe That I will win the lottery today That I will be rich tomorrow You know, that, what, what does it mean? You know, in the, in the Matthew account of this story Jesus tells his disciples If you have faith as small as a mustard seed You can say to this mountain Move from here to there And it will move Nothing will be impossible for you Like, what? what is that about? Mountains cannot move Right, geography teacher? Oh, what? Oh, 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 mind blown okay. <laughs> Ken is can, okay you know, okay, well, people don't become fairies, right? Okay. Now, <laughs> here's here's how how I would explain it. Okay, you know, Jesus says everything is possible when you have faith and when when you believe. And you know, the point when He says this is actually not about mountains or fairies or exorcising demons or whatever. The point is this: that someone who has faith. Is someone who does not set any limits on what god can do there's no limit to what god can do if you can that's not a question can he make you a fairy can he make the mountain move well the answer is yes he does have the ability to have, have you ever had teachers um you know the annoying teachers when you say ah can i go toilet and then they're like oh of course you have the ability to go to the toilet and pee but that is not the right question. I I, just, I I used to love to say that I'm just I'm the annoying teacher, right? Because the point is you're asking for permission, right? So you must choose the right modal verb. Like you know, what's a modal? Dude, you really graduated A levels. So you don't know what's a modal? Ver- oh yeah. okay. Stick to preaching. Okay. The the point is. Right, like, Do you understand? Like you say, can I go to toilet? And the teacher would be like, of course you can. Like, you have the ability to, you have the capacity to, but whether I want to allow you to go to the toilet or not, it's a different matter, right? And so, having faith, back to the point, <laughs> having faith means believing completely that there is nothing impossible for God, that there are no limits to what God can do. But that doesn't mean that God becomes like a genie. You know, like, I wish to be a fairy. And then, ding, you got wings or something, right? And and you know it's it's not like some new age thinking where you're like it's all in the mind, right? If you will hard enough, you know if if you wish with all your heart, all your dream like hashtag dream big princess. You watch the no? Am I the only one who watches Disney Channel? You know if you if you believe and if you will it with all your heart and mind. No, that that's that's not it. Okay, that's not it. You see, faith faith is God centered and not man-centered, right? It's not you-centered, it's not me-centered, it is God-centered. And faith is simply knowing and believing that there are no limits to God's ability. Although, based on His sovereignty, His will, and all that, there are sometimes restrictions, right? It's like if my mom, if my kid says, Mommy, can you buy me this like $5 pot of slime, right? I mean I I have yeah I can like I have the ability to right I'm not trying to brag but I do have more than $5 in my bank account so I yeah I have the capacity to buy this $5 pot of slime but will will I buy it no I hate slime okay like especially when the bits of it get all over my house right can versus will okay maybe slime is a bad example okay but let's say let's say my 5 year old asks whether she can drive my car she's asked that before by the way and, and yeah, I own the car, like I have the ability to put her in the driver's seat and pass her the keys and all that. But no, I will not do that because she will kill herself and other people. And so the answer is no, or at least not yet until you get your license, right? And if you remember last week at CG, we looked at the story of the man with leprosy who went to Jesus for healing. And I think he asked the right question. He didn't say, if you can. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And that, that is faith. I know you can, will you? And sometimes, like Jesus said to the leper, I am willing. He says, yes, I am willing. But maybe at other times, he says, well, no, because being a fairy is a dumb request, right? Or like, no, for your own good. Or maybe not yet, right? Right? So it's not, the, regardless, Regardless, the question is not about God's ability. The problem, the issue, is never about His ability. Faith is believing that God is able. Yes, He can. And all through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus affirms those who believe that. Right? The friends who made a hole in the roof to get the paralytic to Jesus, they wouldn't have gone through all that trouble unless they believed that Jesus was able, right? That He can heal our friend. The woman with the issue of blood crawling through the the crowds, we're going to look at it next week, despite years of disappointment and failed efforts, she wouldn't have done all that and gone to all that effort unless she believed that Jesus was able. He can heal me. And so I want to say that if you are facing darkness, desperation, whatever demons are in your life, I want to tell you today that God is able. He can he can help you he can save you there's no limit to what he can do how he can turn things around he is above all powers and he's able and in the next verse you know i, I love how the father responds to this he says this i believe help my unbelief kind of like a, a paradoxical statement and just like he asked jesus to help his son he asked jesus to help his faith help my unbelief. And you know, I love what he says because I think it's such an honest and genuine plea and because half the time I feel like this as well. You know, I mean, I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a, I'm a church leader and and yes, yes, I believe, you know, I believe that nothing is impossible for God. But at the same time, I, I also wrestle, I struggle with faith as well. All the time. Like, yes, God, I I believe, but will it really be okay? But, okay, yeah, but I, I believe, but I'm, I'm still kind of scared and uncertain, but I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, most of you are students here, right? I don't know if you experienced this. You know, when I was a student, just before the results came out, I would always pray, right? And, you know, you, you believe that God has the ability to miraculously change marks. You know, God has the ability to blind the examiner. Uh, or, like, you know, like, like, the, make the marker ridiculously lenient to me, like not see that, that rubbish that I wrote there or whatever, right? I believe, <laughs> but will he? I don't know. And it doesn't help when, you know, you can't actually say like, God, I did my best because I, I didn't, right, you know? But, and, and actually, it, it's always like that, right? Like more than, more than just the results, I mean, I've been a Christian for many years, so I've learned that more than just the results, I mean, I do believe that whatever results I get, you know i know that god will, will still take care of things i know my life is not going to be over i know that it's not going to be completely screwed up and all that and i know so i know that god has the ability to give me good marks but i also trust that he has the ability to take care of me if i don't get the good marks right so yeah i know all that i believe all that but still you're still nervous right you're still like, ah, oh, results, what's going to happen, right? You're not, like, 100% cool about everything and, like, 100% trusting. I mean, I don't know, are you guys? Like, I, I mean, I, I never felt that way, right? You feel me? Um, I mean, I don't know if anyone here can say, like, oh, I have 100% faith. Like, zero doubt. I never doubt God at all. I mean, if that's you, good for you, right? But I feel like most of us, most of us, we go to God with a kind of imperfect faith. Right, that that yes, we believe, but somehow there's still some unbelief and doubt mixed inside as well. But we believe, yeah, but yeah, we believe, right. And I think God knows that 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 that's us, that we will always have this kind of imperfect faith, because we are imperfect people, and which is why Jesus says, you just need faith as small as a mustard seed. A mustard seed is like one of the smallest seeds in the world. It's like a dot. Imagine you take your pen, you dot, that's about the size of it. And I want us to know that it is not about the strength of our faith. The point is not that we have to try very hard and reach a certain level of faith like, oh, I must work on my faith, right? Like I said just now, it's not one of those things like, okay, as long as you put your mind to it, you know, when you believe and have faith with all your heart, then you it will happen. You just a will it? No, that that's not. Faith is God-centered. It's not man-centered, which is why mustard seed-sized faith is enough. Because His power and His ability is not dependent on the strength of your faith. You know, if you if you remember our Ephesians series and if you memorize Ephesians two eight to nine, it says that we are saved by grace. Yes, we are faith through faith but only saved by the amazing grace of God, right? The verse is not by works, not by earning, not through like attaining a certain level of faith so that no one can boast because faith is God-centered, not man-centered. And so the father comes to Jesus displaying this kind of faith. You know, this father, he wasn't like some mature Christian Christian, who had, you know, read through the whole Bible and studied it and went to Bible school or whatever. He understood everything. No, it was a simple, it was was a desperate, and it was an imperfect faith. And Jesus still responded to him. Jesus drives out the demon. He heals the boy. Jesus commands the spirit to get out because he has authority and power over everything. Right? He commands the spirit to get out and never return again. And you know, when he does this, it's not like some weird, creepy exorcism. You no, know, he's like oh, blah, 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 I don't know what, and then he just like some weird ritual or dance. Not, no, it's just a command, command from Jesus, just like the storm story, right? It's not like he did some strange weird rain dance or like don't rain dance or like what like whatever ritual. No, it's just like shh, quiet. One word, get out. That's it, because he's ruler over all. He's God. He's above all powers. They have no choice but to obey. Still. However, look what happens when the demon sees Jesus, okay? The demon, the demon has an encounter with Jesus, okay? Verse 20, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell on the ground and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And when Jesus commands the demon to come out, verse 26, before it comes out, it shrieks. Okay, if you're reading the NIV, it says it shrieks and it convulses him violently before it comes out. You know, if you read through the Gospels, whenever an evil spirit sees Jesus, there's always a violent and a big reaction. It's like they never come out peacefully like, okay, and then they come, right? There's always like, the, this, it's always like the spirit is trying to resist or trying to make a show of strength because it has come face to face with the real power. And so there is a, 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 a kind of a convulsing, a violent shrieking before it comes out. And I think, you know, in the same way, if you are struggling with some kind of darkness or some kind of demons in your life, that God is able to help you and deliver you, but the enemy is probably not going to go away without a fight. Right? Again, if you remember the last sermon in our Ephesians series, the battle is real. The struggle is real. Our struggle is in the spiritual realm. and The battle is real. Yes, victory is guaranteed us, but before victory, there is always a fight, right? If you remember, I, I shared with you, right, in the lead up to our camp, you know, we were praying, we were believing, we had faith that God was going to work in people's lives and all that, and he did. But you know, for the past two years, the week before camp, my kids were, were really sick, you know, they were hit and they were really sick. And, and I believe that it was spiritual warfare because the battle is real. The enemy doesn't go without a fight. But, but God, but God is above all powers, and there's no limit to his ability. And so he commands the demon, get out, and the evil spirit has no choice but to, but to obey, and the boy is healed. And then look at verse 27. He heals the boy, and then Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And we see, I know it's just a small verse, but you know, we see the gentleness and tenderness of our all-powerful an almighty God God of creation God of universe God over all demons and evil powers but also a personal and a loving God gentle God and the boy is healed so great boy is healed after this verse 28 disciples they have like this debrief session okay debrief uh, after the ministry like ah how come we failed right and they ask Jesus how come we we couldn't drive out the demon? Because if you look a few chapters back in Mark chapter 6, we actually read that Jesus sent the disciples out, gave them authority over impure spirits and Mark 6.13 says the disciples drove out many demons. So, how come this time cannot? And Jesus says very plainly, He tells them the answer, you need prayer. Verse 29. This kind can come out only by prayer. And you know, this sounds like like a bit ridiculously basic, right? I mean, if I encountered a case of demon possession, I think the very first thing I would do, or probably the only thing I would know how to do first, would be to pray, God, help, right? But you see, sometimes we are ridiculous, like the disciples. And I think what happened was that the disciples, they had had this success, you know, in driving out demons, that they began to forget where their source of power came from, and they started thinking that they could do it by their own strength. Right? They started believing in themselves instead of God. And so they're just like, oh, demon, come out. Hey, hey, why cannot, right? It's like, dude, it's not by your fingers, you know? And they, they were like, huh, how come? And they just forgot the most basic thing, which is to pray. And you know, I think, I think that this is a great reminder, especially to all of us who serve. Just like every miracle is dependent on God and God alone, all ministry is dependent on God and God alone. And if you're a cell group leader, you're a worship leader, you're a musician, you're an usher, you know, whatever, you're, you serve and you're trying to lead people, point people to Jesus, you know, if you're trying to just share the gospel, bring your friend to Jesus, this kind can only be done by prayer. Don't ever start to think that the power or the anointing comes from yourself or because you're, you're, you're great or you're capable or you have these skills. No, don't lose that humble dependence on God because apart from Him, we can do nothing. And so effective ministry is by faith, right? Verse 23, everything is possible for him who believes and by prayer. By faith and by prayer. That's the way to access His power. It's by faith and prayer. I hope you, like all, I hope you all like the power bank. By the way You see (laughs) Thanks for laughing at my joke You know, prayer Prayer is the way To plug into the power If you're not plugged in If you're not remaining in the vine If you're not spending time In the secret place in prayer You can't do anything for God You can't Right? That's what we talked about At the beginning of the year Right? If you think about it Prayer is kind of equivalent to faith Right, if you believe that God is able, then you will pray. You will ask Him for things, and you'll pray. And and so essentially that's uh, that's the story we have today, right? There's a boy who's tormented by a demon, there's a father with imperfect faith, and they encountered Jesus, the all-powerful God who saves, who heals, who delivers. And I really wanted to, you know, as I was praying, um, yeah, I I as I was praying and preparing for the sermon today, you know, I I feel and I I believe. There are some in our midst who are struggling with some kind of darkness in your life. Maybe something that torments you, grips you, whatever it is. I think it's different for different people. Whatever it is, go to Jesus in faith and in prayer. Even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, go to Jesus because He can. He can help you. And I know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is a supernatural battle. But God is greater than everything. He's above all powers of this dark world. He's greater than any spiritual force of evil. But there's the last part I want to look at um, in this passage. And um, let me invite the beautiful keyboardist up to... uh, No, sorry, not you, Ganesh. (laughs) And and let's look at the last part of the, the passage, okay? Verse 30 verses 30 to 31 tells us so at the end of everything it tells us that jesus was teaching his disciples and he said to them the son of man this he, here he is referring to himself is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and when he is killed after three days he will rise now if you look at your bibles okay just before this incident okay with the this this boy of evil spirit just before this in the earlier part of mark 9 was the transfiguration. Okay, if you have no idea what that is, just read, read Mark 9. Okay? So Mark 9, 9 to 10 says, And as they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man, this is Jesus referring to himself, had risen from the dead. And so they, the disciples, kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. Now you see this account of Jesus healing the boy with an evil spirit, it is framed with references to His death and His resurrection. And it is framed um, just before and after this story. Jesus talks not just about how He's going to die, but how He's going to rise again. After three days, He will rise from the dead. Now, at this point, the disciples, they don't understand what He's talking about. Actually, I don't understand why. You know, He's just like, I'm going to rise from the dead. Like, what does rising from the dead mean? Like, it means He will rise from the dead. I don't don't know why why they didn't understand. I guess because it was too inconceivable, right? Now, of course, after everything happened, on hindsight, they understood. And today, we, we as his followers, we understand and we know what Jesus was talking about. You see this story of Jesus defeating the, the demon? It is framed with references to his death and his resurrection because it is there at his death and resurrection that the greatest battle against demons, against evil, against the powers of darkness and against the devil was fought. And those references are to that moment or those three days when the devil would be ultimately defeated. Just like this demon was told, get out and never come back. By going to die on a cross and then coming back to life after that, Jesus, he gained complete victory over sin, darkness, Satan, demons, evil, everything. And if you look at verse 26 to 27 of the story, we read that what happened to the boy is that he looked so much like a corpse, a corpse that people thought he was dead. And Then we read of how Jesus raised him up. Jesus raised him up. Jesus lifted him to his feet. And the boy rose from what looked like death. You see the story of Jesus' victory over one demon. The story of Jesus saving the life of one child. It was a glimpse or a foreshadowing, if you like the term, of his ultimate victory over the devil through his death and his resurrection. And so yes, this incident, you know, Jesus is teaching us about faith and, and about prayer But consistently, if you read the book of Mark, the Gospels, and especially in Mark, in the second half of Mark, you will see that Jesus focused on teaching his disciples about his death and his resurrection to prepare them for those two events, which were the whole reason why he came to earth. Because you see, my friends, Christianity is not about trying to live a good life. It's not about trying to be moral. And, and do the right things and, and be religious or whatever, you know, to do good works and charity. I mean, there's nothing wrong with all that. But Christianity hangs, it hangs on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm sure that most religions or all religions will preach love and good deeds. Great, nothing wrong with that. But if you want to know the meaning, the meaning of Christianity, what it means to follow Jesus and be His disciple, it is found in the meaning of His death and His resurrection. You know, we talked about at the start of the sermon, we talked about how you know some of us um, um, battle with, with some kind of darkness in our lives, maybe some kind of sin or evil or shame, whatever it is. But you know, even if you don't feel like you particularly struggle with anything, I believe that all of us, for all of us, deep down inside, we know. We know that we're not perfect people. We know that there is something missing, something lacking in us. Even if on the outside, we all look like pretty decent people, but we all know that in one way or another, we don't measure up and we can never measure up to standards of goodness or morality or holiness. That if God, who knows everything, who can see through everything in our hearts, that if God examined us, we wouldn't meet His standards of goodness. In fact, I believe, I really believe that actually all of us we all struggle with some form of guilt or shame in our lives, some darkness, some form of evil that, that plagues us. Because we live in a fallen world. And all of us, all of us as human beings, we are fallen creatures. And I believe we all know that deep down in our hearts. And sometimes we try to do good, um, or we try to be good, we try to be religious, in order to feel like, like maybe we, we, can, we can deserve that blessing. Maybe we can deserve a place in heaven or we try various means to break out of our darkness, to break out of our desperation. We try to gain it through achievements or or popularity or whatever, but it never seems to be enough because truth is this, that all of us are fallen creatures in need of a savior. None of us, none of us can save ourselves. And that is why Jesus had to die on the cross. It's why he spent so much of his time teaching his disciples about his death and his resurrection. That Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth as a perfect man. So only a perfect man could take the place of imperfect fallen humanity and pay the price for our sin and our shame and our, our darkness and our wrongdoings and all that and die in our place. And after three days, as he said, he rose again from the dead to show his complete power over darkness, over evil, complete victory over sin, over death, over all other powers, making a way for fallen men to reach the perfect and most holy God, making a way for fallen humanity to enter into the presence of the most holy God and have a relationship with Him. You know, at the start of my message today, I said that I, I really hope that every one of us here today would see and know for yourself who Jesus is. And I've been praying throughout the week that every one of us here will have that real encounter with Jesus. If you've been here the last few weeks, the first message, right? We talked about Jesus' power over all creation. The wind and the waves—they obey His voice. Last week in our cell groups, we looked at Jesus healing people. That He has power over sickness, over anything you are struggling with. He is healer. He has complete authority over sickness. Even if it's something that's been for years, He can heal today we talk about His power over demons, over evil spirits, over all spiritual forces of evil. Whatever darkness is tormenting you or torturing you, He has power. Power over that. Whatever darkness you feel may have a grip on your life somehow, or maybe there is a desperate situation that you feel like you've been stuck in for a long time and can't seem to break out of, Jesus has power over all that. But you know he's not just this all-powerful victorious majestic god he's also our loving compassionate tender and gentle savior and he loves you so much that he would allow himself to get killed on a cross to die in our place to take away our sins he did that because he loves you i believe today he's saying my son my daughter he's calling each of you here by name Because He knows you completely. He knows everything about your life. And He's saying, I love you so much that I will give my life for you. And so would you surrender your life to me? Would you follow me and call me your Lord, your Savior, and your King? Maybe some of you here, you've never taken that step. And maybe you don't understand everything about Christianity. It's fine. I don't either. But if you come to Jesus in faith, even if it's that small, imperfect little faith, like the father in the story, and you go to Jesus and believe that he can, if you take that step of faith and believe that he is God, the Bible says whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life and will not die. Just like the boy was raised up after his darkness, desperation, after looking like a corpse now old life of darkness, despair, desperation, sin, guilt, shame we traded for a new and abundant life, life to the full with Jesus. With his victory, with his power, with his love and his grace. I want to just invite everyone to to would you just close your eyes for a while and just think about all that has been said, all that has been shared. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to each of us individually. And I believe God wants to encounter every one of you. Every one of you here. I don't know if there are people here who have never made the decision to follow Jesus, to surrender your life to Him. And if today you, you feel that, that something in your heart that's stirring, believe that that is God calling you by name. And all we do is go to Him in faith, a small little imperfect faith, and surrender our lives to Him. Let me just ask everyone to close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask if there's anyone here if you have never made the decision to follow Jesus and call Him your Lord and Savior and King. If you would like to do that, all you have to do is pray and come to him in faith and say a prayer. And any one of us here can help you with that. So if that is you, would you just give a quick wave with nobody looking and someone can come talk to you later. Let's pray. God, we praise you. We worship you. We say that you are truly above all powers, all rulers, all authorities in this earth. And God, you are able to do everything. You are the God of the impossible. You're the God of miracles. You're the God who saves us, who heals us. You are the light in our darkness. You are our savior. You are our good father who loves us, and who calls us by name. We thank you so much, God, for your love. Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross, and for the abundant and full life that we have in you. Just want to make one more call. Again, if every if everyone would just close your eyes. You know, if today there's is, there is some darkness in your life, there is something that is torturing you and tormenting you, I just want to pray for you. So if that's you, would you give a just quick wave? I saw the hands. I'm going to pray for you all. God, you are able Jesus, the issue is never your ability. And so God, I pray for everyone who is struggling with something in your life that they feel like they cannot deal with. God, whenever there is that darkness that seizes us, Jesus, would you shine your light into that situation? Would you show your power, your love, your strength, your comfort for everyone who is struggling and wrestling with something that is torturing them? And father we ask in the name of jesus would you take away anxiety fear depression suicidal thoughts self-hatred whatever that is not from you we ask in the name of jesus take it away and we say devil you have no authority in the lives of the children of god we say that jesus you are the name above all names you are above all powers and so we trust in you God, we put our faith in you and we say that you are our healer, you are our saviour, you are our deliverer. And so God, we pray everyone who is struggling, God, we speak your peace, we speak your light, we speak your love into their situation. We say, as we sang just now, the chains be broken. We ask for your freedom to be in these lives. We say, Jesus, would you come and turn the situation around completely? Would you come and, and set them free? And just like in this story, at the name of Jesus, the demons tremble. That Jesus, when you come, darkness has to flee. And so God, would you deliver? Would you help and would you save? God, would you come and help everyone who is struggling? Shine your light. Pour out your love and bring your comfort. And as a community, as a ministry, we believe. We believe together for deliverance. We believe for healing. We believe for your love and your power to flood our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, thank you for listening. Um, We have some time left, so we're just going to gather in our cell groups and um, pray for each other. If you don't have a cell group, just go with the friend who brought you Or you can come and see me and I'll direct you to one Alright, we'll see you next week